Lord, our morning together is a blessing, always. We thank you for it. We thank you for the attention that your people give to things that are so important in a time and a culture that just sort of ignores this, and so it's not talked about anywhere but among the brethren, it seems. And so it just doesn't seem it. And then day after day after day goes by, and with Sundays as somewhat of an exception, 3,000 children will be taken mm-hmm. from the place that should be the safest place in the universe mm-hmm. for them. And it will be brutal, mm-hmm. and it will be painful, mm-hmm. and they will feel it, and their mothers will suffer for years and years and years with it. And we're just going to do something about it. So um, we just put that all out there and ask for, in our ministry in this area, to be careful, but to be bold. And... Uh, without being unkind that's a fine line on a subject like this we need your help we need your help Amen so we started talking last week right there are just certain things about the unborn that tell us that the unborn is alive from the moment of conception alright we talked about some basic science it's immediately alive there's never a time when it's not alive from the moment of conception to, to death, whenever that happens, is a time of living. And so then we have to ask, well, okay, this is pretty basic. What kind of life is it? Well, it can only be one kind of life. Beings can only produce after their own kind. So it has to be human. So we know it's and then we, we, we know it's distinct from the mother's from the mother's own body, even though that's that's its geography, it's not its ontology, it is not the mother. It's geographically situated in the womb. Because that's where it belongs. That's where he or she belongs. It's not an intruder. It's not a parasite. It's not a cancer. All of these words have been used to describe the unborn. Mm-hmm. By filthy animals who want to know better. Mm-hmm. So, um, don't call them that. That's because so much for kindness. <laughs> <laughs> Paul said, I wrestle against brute beasts in Ephesus. He wasn't talking about bears and wolves. He was talking about other human beings. In my understanding, you know, he was talking about false teachers. Look at what they call the Cretans, liars. What? He, he, I mean, he went, I, I preached on on the things that people are called in Scripture. I, I can almost compete with them, <laughs> right? So, and then we start to look at some of the objections to this, like last week. Well, it doesn't look like a human being, and and we answered, well, of course it does. It looks like every other human being at that stage. It doesn't look like you and me. It's not supposed to look like you and me. And I encourage you all, I don't know if you've done this, take a look at a picture of yourself as an infant, if there is one. You don't look anything like that. You don't look anything like it. I think very few people can take a look at a newborn and say, oh, gee, yeah, that's, I, yeah, that's Pat, I can give you that. No. We change over time. But we'll continue to, to develop according to our fundamental nature. So, it's not a potential human being. It's a human being. And so, it's a zygote, and it's potentially a fetus, and it's potentially a, 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 a newborn, and, it's potentially, and the newborn is potentially a toddler, and a toddler is potentially a... Okay, but they're all, at every stage, a human being. So, here's another silly objection. The unborn is only a blob of living tissue, not a living human being. Now, I've actually heard this one from a co-worker once. Oh, it's just a clump of cells. And my response was, well, so are you. Yeah. So am I. We're all clumps of cells. 
Well, yeah, we're developed and differentiated and all that. But so again, all human beings are blobs of tissue in one sense. And second, mere pieces of human tissue must come from some human being. If the unborn is just human tissue, then where is the human being that the human tissue came from? It's not the mother's tissue, since it doesn't have the mother's genetic fingerprint. A developing zygote is a complete human being herself who will later shed cells that have her own unique genetic fingerprint. When does the unborn become a member of the human race? There's only one possibility. When she becomes a distinct living being at the moment of conception. There's no question, scientifically, that's a human being. That, there's nobody on earth that can intelligently refute that. There are stupid people that say stupid things, like that stupid woman from the, that was the speaker of the council in New York City some months ago, when she was arguing on CNN that that's not a human being, that's the mother's body. She says, these are facts. And nobody pushed back. Lightweight, unbelieving, ill-equipped to have a reasonable, rational discussion, people are running the media and, and running the narrative in our country in every conceivable way. And so a lot of people just don't even know how to think. They don't even push back. It must be true. That's why, for all its problems, the, the arguments and everything that have come out of the hashtag fake news thing, as much trouble as all those things represent, they have, they have a place in our culture today. We have to be able to determine what is real and what's not real. And we're losing that capability. And the church has to represent reality. We're reality. We are reality. So, Yes? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, tough book? Yeah, pieces of children. It's incredible. And the more we sort of push back in the culture, you know, there's a certain sense in which I, I, I don't know, I fear. I think violence is like the next step in our culture. What else is left? The degrading, dehumanizing speak about one another? What could possibly come next? There's a part of me that fails. I haven't done my job until I've been punched in the face. You know? I haven't spoken enough until I've been hit. I'm starting to think that way. Uh, I had something I, and I left my cell phone at home I was going to refer to something this woman as I recall uh, I'm not going to try it because I won't remember enough of the parts so anyway 
So this this idea now we're going to sort of move into the, uh, the the whole philosophy of the thing. Okay, so when does a human being become a human person? All right, because the 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 objection sort of is yes, the human the unborn is human, but it's not a person. Okay, which is a silly argument, of course, but we have to demonstrate that. Right now, slavery and the Nazi Holocaust both used this argument. Slavery in the in the Nazi Holocaust both used this argument. The Nazis disqualified the value of human undesirables with the phrase, life unworthy of life. Life unworthy of life. Lieben suertes lieben. Lieben suertes lieben. That's what they called it. So they had the medical killing of impaired children, the medical killing of impaired adults, the medical killing of impaired inmates of concentration camps. And this is why regardless of where... This is when the issues start to get clouded. How can we possibly understand if we're going to use uh, concentration camps as an issue for the kinds of things that Nazis did to dehumanize people? How can a society... How can we function in a culture that is going to equivocate with terminology and they're going to draw a moral equivalency between whatever's happening on the border okay, with immigrant detention centers calling those concentration camps. How wrong can our culture be? How evil can it get? But so, it's interesting, we start to have people on both sides of the political spectrum referring to events as if there's moral equivalency between the way the two different groups use them, and there's not. But history teaches us that man's attempts to to classify humans as non-persons, some humans, results in barbarism. Results in barbarism. And that's what abortion is. It's a common technique, especially between warring nations, for the, yes. for the to, to characterize the enemy as subhuman. Yeah. The Japanese certainly would call that. Mm. That's why it makes them easier to kill without, without feeling the normal uh, uh, remorse, I think, that anybody taking a life would. Yep. Every, every race does this. Yeah. Whites had terms for blacks. Blacks have terms for whites. Yeah. Anything that can sort of make the person less of a person than the person who's saying a person is this. All the time. It happens all the time. It happens. This is how politics thrives on this. Right? Uh, President Trump does it all the time. Calls people losers. He calls them, you know, basically calls them nothing. He shouldn't do that. It's a ridiculous thing to do. It's to call people out publicly and say they're a loser. They can't even do this and they can't even do that. Right? And, and of course, the, the garbage, the rhetorical garbage that comes from the left side of the political spectrum, which is by far worse than the right side, and I'll have that argument all day long with anyone, is dehumanizing. You're an ist. You're this, a racist. A, a, no matter what you say, you, there's a name hurled at you. Okay? If you try to argue, about, argue abortion, you're going to probably call them misogynist. Okay? Um, because, again, they succeeded in some way in framing this as a woman's issue. And you don't dare say anything against women in our culture. God forbid. There's plenty of things to say about women in our culture. Because women in our culture do a lot of evil, abhorrent, sick things. Just like men do. So, the world doesn't see it that way. The world doesn't have eyes to see it that way. Until it happens to them. 
So, they may be human, but they're not persons. When confronted with this statement, always ask this question, what's the difference? <laughs> Just ask that. When they say, oh yeah, it's a, it's a human being, but it's not a person. Just ask that simple question. Remember, we're learning some very simple questions. What is the unborn? That's a very simple question. And then when something like this comes up, what's the difference? Because this question does come up. I mean, this comes up all the time. What is the difference? Right? What's the difference between a human and a person? It can get a little bit mixed because sometimes we say dogs or other animals have, quote, personality. Right? But that term is used in a couple different ways. Personality doesn't mean personhood. Now, personality is a term that we use to define characters of affection and communicating emotions and showing mood. And You know, you, you can sort of gauge a little bit where a dog is or your cat is at if you're a cat person. I understand those people, but if you're a cat person, you know what I mean? Uh, I just can't understand what God's given us dominion why people let a little feline beast like that run the house. I don't know, but that's me. That's probably just because I have a fallen brain. I'm yeah. assuming they've been on the back barbecue instead of the yeah. But our opponent, our opponents have to answer the question, what's the difference between a human being and a human person? They have to answer that. They have to if they're going to make that kind of an assertion. Because if they permit the killing of a human being who's not a human person, but not the killing of a human who is a person, then they must be clear on the difference between the two, right? So if it's okay to kill a human being that's not a human person, but it's not okay to kill a human being that is a human person, then it's very important that we know what's the difference then, right? Why is it okay to kill one and not the other? And generally, you won't get an answer. The response is not based on principle. It's just an attempt to dismiss the argument. It's just an attempt to dismiss us. That's what all of this stuff is. It's an attempt to dismiss us. And the better our arguments are, the more powerful the weapon they're going to try to use against you at some point, some people. Some will just walk away. Some will just insult you. I've had, you know, I've been called everything in the book in this. You know? But in, in, it's interesting. I'm usually called the name while they're turning to walk away. And you just want to grab them by the scruff and say, no, you don't. You get back in the ring because now we're fighting. All right? You don't get out of the ring. This is a cage match now, right? You're not, you just opened up your mouth. You're not going anywhere now until you win my argument or you lose your argument. And one of us is going to give. One of us is going to cry, Uncle Gary. About 15 years ago, I had the odd request, hmm. but I gladly accepted it, was to do a funeral for a baby that mm. was that died in the womb yep. and had only been five months in yep. existence awesome. in the womb. Mm. That's great. And the wow. casket was about the size of a shoebox. Yep. Um, it, was, it was odd, but it, it, it enabled me to be able to talk about the sanctity of life and yeah. the reality of humanity yeah. even at such an early stage as that. Mm. Uh, I didn't see the show this week, but I understand Megan McCain came out, and after not saying anything for a considerable, considerable period of time, she she said that she had a miscarriage, and how that has just been, how much that has affected her. You know, I know that affects women a lot, and, and you know, uh, mothers and fathers. And people sort of handle it in different ways. Uh, every list of qualities that determine personhood have three problems. So all the lists that people come up with to exclude. One, per, one type of being from personhood basically have sort of three problems. They exclude obvious examples of persons, right? such as newborn infants, people who are asleep or in a coma, people who are handicapped, okay? 
So they often exclude people like that. Or they include obvious examples of non-persons, as I just mentioned, such as animals, especially higher primates. Even machines in some case, right? They say machines have personality. Or, and this probably happens the most, they seem arbitrary and self-serving. Arbitrary is just, I'll just kind of make it up. That's what arbitrary is. Just no particular reason, just grab it out of the sky. And they do this to, to, to sort of... Uh, so these are tools of the powerful to sort of oppress the weak who are in the way and can't defend themselves. That's what an unborn human is. It's an oppressed person that is powerless to defend itself. So, in any of these things, we can apply what I mentioned in the sermon that I preached some months back called the sled test, Okay? This is the, this, th- these four things for which the acronym SLED stands are something we can apply to anything, any argument against the full humanity of the unborn and demonstrate that by applying these, if we would apply them to any other human at any other stage, we would see that it's ridiculous to use that as a qualification for what's a person. And the first is the letter S, which is size of physical appearance. The unborn doesn't look like a person. And again, this comes out in different ways. Oh, it's just a blob of tissue. Or it doesn't look like anything. Okay? And and it certainly does. You know, for for our information, by by eight weeks, it looks like a little tiny miniature, (laughs) almost like a little tiny gummy person almost. But all the little parts are there. The head is there. If, if 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 all the parts have developed fully, there's legs, there's little arms, little hands, there's everything. About the size of a little dime. And we'll get into each one of these a little more. The second is L. Yeah. Anybody seen the What to Expect videos? No. No, we used to have the book, What to Expect and You're Expecting. Yeah. Um, You can get the app and they put out a video once a week. No need. What is happening with the baby at that week? It is incredible. It is neat. Incredible. And it's so pro-life. Science, if used correctly, is going to be pro-life. It has to be. Because science simply observes how the power of God operates. That's A.W. Tozer. Right? Science is an observation thing. It makes observations and draws conclusions. Science observes how the power of God operates. Second, yeah, Gary. I don't know if this is the right time to ask a question, but if we went back in history, say to Christ era, uh-huh. abortion was a common thing, or they would have a baby and just throw it out mm. in a dumpster, or that type of yep. thing, leave it in the streets and abandon it. Did they view that as a child, uh, the, the, the populace? I don't know. I don't know the history of, of ancient... Uh, I know that Christians resisted it, so they, they clearly must have. But everybody threw I me. Mean, our ability to know what's going on inside a human being, and that humans create humans, is not novel. Anybody at any time in history can know this. We often think of ancient peoples as just stupid or, or uninformed. But they might have been non-scientific. They might not have understood that there's not four corners to the earth. The earth isn't flat and all that kind of thing because they hadn't discovered things but they certainly had the capacity to. Uh, so they knew the earth was round. There were navigation. Right. couldn't navigate yeah, but it took some time for people to put those, cohere those thoughts. Hey, look, up until, what was the 15th century? I mean, Copernicus 
He was beaten like a dog, wasn't he? Yeah. Because he said, well, wait a minute. We're not, we are not, a, Earth is not the center of the universe here. And people are like, whoa, blasphemer! Right, he's a blasphemer. All right? He's the one that came out and said, look, we've got a heliocentric universe. I mean, solar system. Like, ah, you can't say that! Earth is God's footstool! Blah, 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 blah. Right? When you don't know how to do hermeneutics, you do really stupid things. <laughs> right? Level of development is the letter L, right? The unborn doesn't have the same abilities as real persons, and we'll break each one of these down. Third, environment. The, the wrong environment. The unborn isn't located in the right place as real persons. This is implicit in abortion, in abortion laws. Right? We'll talk more about that. And fourth, uh, the letter D is degree of dependency. The unborn is too physically dependent on others to be a person. He's not viable and can't survive outside the womb. I wish our sister Pat was here this week. Okay, because she brought this up last week. She said, yeah, but it's not viable. I said, okay, well, you know, we're going to get to that. Because, she, you know, she doesn't understand. She, she clearly, she needs to have someone help her walk her through that. You know what I mean? To, 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 to show. All right. So, size of physical appearance. Do humans lose value when they don't look right? <laughs> Do humans lose value when they don't look right? Does size equal value? Men are, generally speaking, larger than women. More powerful. And 99% of the time, even if they were the same size and same, same weight, a man would win in a physical match every single time. It's just science. It's just, it's just engineering. Are husbands more, therefore more valuable than their wives? Because they're bigger. Of course not, right? This, this, I think there's a, a significant size distinction between uh, Mark and Nancy. Mark, are you more valuable than Nancy? Yes. You know? <laughs> you know? I've, I've, I'm sure I have 40 pounds on Kim, right? Am I more valuable than Kim? Is it? No. I know I wouldn't want to get up. Right. No, no. No, no. I might take her in that fight. That I want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So. She's getting up there, though, right, Larissa? Can, can men oppress women just because women are generally smaller than them? Well, that's, I mean, you know, it's such a, it's a rhetorical question. It's, it's a silly question because the answer is so obvious. And the answer is equally obvious in the abortion issue. It's just that. People have been trained, God help us, people have been trained to no longer draw conclusions on obvious evidence. I mean, if these things were like a court of law, right? If, there was a, if, if this was the first time this was ever being presented in a court of law, and we had all this evidence, there's not a jury in the world that would convict the unborn of not being a human being, worthy of full human rights. I'm just thinking that... There's two things going on in the church as well. Mm -hmm. the, uh, our inability to articulate uh, the message of the gospel towards those who believe in abortion is not only a lack of uh, understanding of what abortion is, mm -hmm. but also it's a lack of understanding of God. Mm. If, you don't, if you don't understand the incarnation to a certain degree, then that'll just fly right over your head as a wonderful argument against saying that a child is only human but not a person. Yeah, Harrison sort of brought this up last week or the week before. Was it last week or the week before? When you brought up this whole... You were talking about... We were talking about apologetics a little bit. And uh, we were talking about, you know, unless people sort of realize that there's inherent value in us as human beings because God exists, 
then it's very difficult. So, yeah, I think for some people, you know, but but I still think there's plenty of people. So you're talking about presenting the gospel. You're not talking about. Well, I, I just think there's kind of like two ends where where the church maybe is a little dysfunctional in relationship to. Um, if you can't articulate God and you can't articulate Christ the God man then uh, you may have a hard time articulating your gospel message to someone who's so passionate about it's, the abortion it's so hard now it is so hard and this is what I was saying we have in many ways and I think this is why I was drawn to apologetics in the first place mm-hmm. we have sometimes a lot of work to do for making <laughs> I, I often think of apologetics as sort of a John the Baptist function right. We're, 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 we're clearing out the space mm. for the Lord. We're making way, right? right, right. Isaiah prophesied, you know, go, you know, make way, prepare, mm-hmm. make a straight path for the way of the Lord, right? And the apologists now, and, and us, all of us are apologists to some extent, it's like we've got to clear through an awful lot of clutter first before we can begin to sort of, you know, if you've ever seen these shows where uh, they do studies on people that are they have a mental illness and it manifests in hoarding things mm-hmm. and you see these people's homes now if I were to walk in there and say you know you might as well just nuke the place you might as well just drop it uh, I, I, I couldn't envision now my wife would be able to envision all that stuff cleared away and where stuff could go you know what I mean but there's so much stuff and so intellectually socially culturally we have hoarded so much bad thought process mm-hmm. So we have to clear out that junk first. And just like hoarders, they're very resistant to give up their junk. Mm-hmm. That's the big problem with hoarders. Is, no, don't throw that out. No, don't throw that out. No, don't throw that out. Oh, I need that. I need that. What you, it's aluminum foil ball that had Cheetos in it 16 years ago. What do you mean you need it, right? It's like, it takes... Uh, it's, so to your point, you're right. And so we have to really hone our own skills in helping to clear away... And that's why things like images are very important. Because they, they go right through. Right? Just like if you had a picture of, hey, this is what this room looked like before you moved here. Right? A, a very lovely room. You know, yeah, I have a few. different cultures and different countries and different parts of the world continue parts of those arguments and other countries continue other parts. 
we're part of that group that we're just going to look at men as part machines. We're part of the machine, the machination of the universe. You know what I mean? How things just sort of go. So those two different schools of thought that come together where you have, you know, because you're right, and they're right, science was birthed out of a curiosity about what God has done. You know, Isaac Newton was amazed at what God has done. They want to find out. God made himself discoverable. Um, this is one of the great things of the book called The Privileged Planet that was written by uh, uh, Gonzalez and I think the other person. But the whole, the whole part of the book was two things. The evidence for, for design in the universe, for creation. And I know there are people who say, well, creation, you shouldn't talk about intelligent design. We have so many in-house fights, it's surprised we can ever get out of the house. So, and, and those that say, um, and I'm sorry, and then the other part of that is, isn't it amazing that we have been put in the part of our galaxy that has the best vantage point for discovering anything yes. else? Yes. And there's, you know and there's a, a large number of, of things that we can observe that we wouldn't be able to see. From That's exactly right. And all of the things that happen, eclipses, yes. solar eclipses, we have the best vantage point for observing full Earth, full solar eclipses because any other planet doesn't give you the moon to sun size space ratio and all the discoveries that were made simply by being able to, dis- to, to, to view a full solar eclipse. So anyway, I just say all this to say this, the, 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 we have this sort of nascent, this, we're born with this sense of curiosity about what God has done that he wants us to discover. This is his playground, man. This is, he's put us here to sort of, that's, that's our play. Our play is discovering him, how great he is and how awesome he is. But we have so much work of clearing away so much cultural debris and wreckage Thank you, public education and lazy Christians. Public indoctrination, anyway. Um, and there's all this garbage that's being generated. Maybe it isn't new, but uh, uh, that supposedly a, a, a huge number of planets, so many uh, 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 galaxies, mm-hmm. that this we're not viewed as not unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that we're not unique. All right. Now, science seems to be mentioning that we are unique, and that is. Uh, to be a fascinating study in and of itself. But anyway, so we have, unfortunately, in some cases, a lot of clearing away to do before we can even lay the right groundwork in some ways. But then fortunately we have, you know, not fortunately, and I, I shouldn't say, by the way, lazy Christians. We, they don't know how to, how to fight. I'm sure there are some that are just lazy, but we don't know how to fight the right way, you know what I mean? Um, anyway, getting back to this, in ethnic cleansing, value of human beings are eradicated merely because of their features. Skin hair, eye, skin, eye color, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> These are all reasons why people are called, or their blood ancestry, shape of their face, are different from the accepted norm in a particular culture. Okay, you don't look like us. Different kind of hair, different color skin, different shape, whatever, different size. I mean, are, are, are people that have dwarfism less valuable than, you know, Guys that are seven seven, the 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 Patriots' newest uh, rookie there, the seven feet seven inches tall. Uh, is the person with dwarfism less valuable than that person? Are whites less valuable than blacks in Africa? Are blacks less valuable than whites in America? It's ridiculous to to think that human value, our inherent human value, can be based on skin color, or size, or height, or anything else other than just plain old human. That's it. That's the, that's, the, that's the level playing field. But, but it is inherent in all of us. If we're not careful, we, we, we see things 
And we tend to think of people, we get uncomfortable sometimes around people with severe disabilities or different things, you know. The same reason is given to justify killing unborn human beings. Human value transcends physical appearance, skin color, size, disfigurations, handicaps. Therefore, not looking right cannot disqualify a human being from being valuable, okay? So that's silly. Size is a silly thing to have to... The next one, the letter L, the level of development, is a person's value defined by his or her abilities, by what he or, he, he or she can't do. In our culture, yes, absolutely. It is. There's no question about it. We have what I call a functional... We have functionalism in our culture. The more skill you have, the more things you can do. Now, people wouldn't say you're more valuable as a human being. Even Scripture recognizes this. Scripture says, hey, look, if you're sitting down and having a big old meal, and, you know, we got um, somebody, Joe's sitting here in the front row, is just sort of a pauper, doesn't have a lot, and, you know, the wealthiest guy in town comes in, and you ask the poor guy to get up and move to the back and let the rich guy sit there. That's part of this. That's assigning value to you. This is subjective value. You're worth more to me because I can benefit from your company. I can benefit from your money. I can benefit. So we have a lot of this sort of uh, subjective human value that manifests itself in making decisions about people based on qualities. Okay? And this is why, by the way, athletes get all kinds of news coverage when they make statements. This is why celebrities make all kinds of news coverage when they say stupid, idiotic, uninformed, unintelligent things that, that a reasonably informed 11-year-old could dismantle in a moment's time. But because they look smoking hot in a thong bikini or because they're great actresses or actors, what they have to say is therefore more valuable. That's what it comes down to. How we define the word success when someone's successful? Exactly. Most people they equate success with human value. Monetarily. Success becomes equated with your value as a person. Unintentionally, we have a very subjective view. This is the big problem. Subjectivism has taken over the way we do everything rather than objectivism. Mm-hmm. Harrison. Just a bit of trivia. There was a scientific study that was performed that demonstrated general Yep. And absolutely. Absolutely. And this goes on and on, issue after issue. Just in general, we hold people in higher esteem or uh, view them with higher uh, uh, honor, I suppose, because they're tall. Yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, look at no, you're right. Most presidents are tall. Yeah, presidents are That's a good point. They're tall. Yeah. People, people in leadership and business. Hey, listen. You know, years ago, there was that, so- that song, Short People Got Nobody. Remember that song? Imagine if you ever came out with Black People Got No Reason to Live. White people got no reason to live. Blonde people got no reason to live. Cultures have been singing these songs forever. How many churches have you seen ex-sports players that are tall and handsome? Yeah. And other, other uh, and very few 28-inch legs short right. pastors along with them. Well, I mean, it, we well, are an oddity. Oh, no, you're absolutely right about that, too. And you know, it's funny it because too we, we just do this then. Right, brother? No, I was just telling Nancy about the star no, belly sneeches. The star belly sneeches. Oh, I love Dr. Seuss. Yep. So, tell everybody else about the star belly sneeches. Uh, well, these, these uh, Dr. Seuss characters sneeches 
That's right. Yep. Yeah, and then that kept going back and forth. So they made the machine. Absolutely. Another great book. You read this to your kids or read it to. I read it to in a, when I taught it uh, years ago teaching in Holland. I did a study on the book of Galatians. And when I was all done, I read the class, Max Lucado's book, uh, Because You're Special, Because You're So Special. And it was a book about this little wooden puppet that he wasn't like all the other puppets that went around. They all had stars. They went around just giving each other stars and stickers all day long. You were able to jump over, you know, that obstacle course, so you get a, a star. You were able to do this, so you get a star. But if you didn't do good, you got a dot. So there were people with stars, and there were people with dots. And one day he meets this uh, this girl wooden puppet that doesn't have any stars or dots, and she's like the happiest person he's ever met. And she says, "Well, that's because I speak to, to Eli every day. You know, Eli's the carpenter that made the puppets." And so. You know, they go to Eli together, and, and Eli says, yeah, you know, I've kind of been expecting you. And, he, and the little puppet, Punchinello, he's apologizing because he doesn't have any stars on him. And Eli's like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care about those. He's, just keep on coming and seeing me every day. You know what I mean? It's a great story. It's like a, a, it's this wonderful little simple children's story that really captures the whole essence of Galatians and what we're talking about here. What's valuable? But even if the person are not... See, the people may not admit that they're theistic or that they believe in God. They may even be vehemently opposed to God. But everything they're doing and saying is only possible for them to do and say if indeed there is a God. Because it's impossible to produce logic. It's impossible to, to, to argue. Or presi- None of those things are possible unless there's an ultimate truth that's not dependent upon strictly the material world. And so, anyway, do we forfeit our rights as human persons, our claim to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because we don't have the abilities of others? No. Right? What if we could no longer play chess or run bases or read? Or if we could no longer remember? Okay? If we had dementia. Many disabled adults are less developed than many newborns, but that hardly justifies killing them. Right? Many disabled adults are less developed than many newborns, but that does not give us the right or the desire to kill them. In fact, we typically make laws to protect people that are less capable. Right? We... we as a society, we make laws. We have the whole in the 70s that came out with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Because they found out that people with disabilities didn't have a lot of the opportunities that people without abilities did because they couldn't even get into the building at the same time. So they started to make, make it a law to say, okay, you have to put a certain ramp in. You have to put an elevator in. You have to do all these things to accommodate or, or to, to be able to make people with different abilities able to have access to the same opportunities. The outcome is a different story. We don't create outcomes. We can't make equal outcomes. It's not possible. It's not possible to create equal outcomes. But we do. We can create equal opportunity, and we should. And we should be against anything that denies equal opportunity. Okay? Do stronger, more capable, more intelligent people have more rights than others? In a way, they do. Because they get, they get more word. They get more to say. They don't get slandered. They don't get abused. They don't get demarginalized. I mean, marginalized. They don't get dehumanized. People that think like you and I get dehumanized all the time. Eventually, if time goes on and the Lord doesn't come back, Christians will be killed again. I'm absolutely I could be, I'm convinced of it. Christians will be killed again. There's no doubt in my mind. And probably not just Christians, too. Probably, you know, uh, uh, like faithful, devoted, non-Sharia type uh, Islam people. 
Uh, other religious people will, will, with, uh, with, with strong, powerful, monotheistic convictions will likewise be killed because a lot of our morals tend to be the same. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't see how we avoid that happening again. There's already violence happening just in political ideology. You know, like Antifa groups. It's amazing what they're getting away with. It's, just, it's amazing what they're getting away with. In time, it's going to be okay. If it's okay to, to, to say to a... If it's okay for a restaurant to say, I don't like the way you think, and therefore you're not going to be served food here. Oh my gosh! How is this even happening in our culture? People are going to stand back 100 to 200 years from now, maybe, and say, how did that ever, ever happen? Or, Christians will be getting killed again. And they won't care. And there'll be no one to speak for the other side. And God will completely give the world over to madness and insanity before He returns. Do human beings become disposable simply because of their level of development? They are helpless, defenseless, and dependent. No. See, if a human being's value is determined by his abilities, by what he can or can't do, then all those who are handicapped are considered unfit or in danger. Only the physically perfect are safe. There was a great movie about this with Evan McGregor. And I can't remember the female actress. I looked him up and it was a movie that was like that. They lived in this, this environment where only the perfect genetic human beings were allowed to go on. And they managed to break free of it and all that stuff. But only the physically perfect are safe in that case. Okay, this was the case in a movie where there was a... Um, uh, this is a Morgan Freeman. As I said, the black actor with the great voice, right? There's so many of them, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, uh, our African American brothers get so much of the good stuff, don't they? They get all the rhythm. They get like a great voice and stuff. I mean, who's got a voice like Morgan Freeman, right? Uh, who's got a voice like uh, who's the guy that uh, uh, James Earl Jones, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess so. So, but you know, there was a movie where the Earth was going to get struck and destroyed, and they planned on like eighty percent of the population being wiped out. So they decided to make special provisions, special places for the for you know. Nothing over 30 years old, practically. Certain level of education, etc., etc., etc. Only those people were going to be allowed to survive because only they could bring the earth forward after that. Environment. Right, so, uh, any, any other thoughts on that sort of... That's, that's a very important one. This sort of level of, depend, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, level of development. It's very important because there's such a spectrum of that. Uh, and again, it, it shows up everywhere. I remember when I was in uh, middle school, grade 6, 7, 8, there were three levels in each class. So there was 6M, 6K, and 6L, right? 6M were all the really smart kids. K were sort of the average, and M were considered, you know, the stoners and the potheads. Or we, we, just, we just do this. We just make these classifications for people. And so the, the, the 6M class, they had the better shot at the scholarships, of course, right? They had the better shot at... So we have this sort of subjective, and there is some place for this in different places, but not when it comes to develop, develop, to understanding our worth as persons. A lot of our culture's laws are an unguided or misdirected attempt to recognize the value of human persons. But it's not grounded in theistic belief. And so they're destined to disaster and to not work. Because by definition they're going to exclude somebody. So level of development is very important because that's like the big thing. Viability, right? Again, I, maybe I'll catch up with our sister Pat and be able to have this conversation with her. I really wanted her to be here because I wanted her to have this. Because this might help her overcome, you know, this might help her to be better established in this. 
Right? Because remember, she raised her hand last week and she said, yeah, but it's not viable. And I know what that statement means. I, I, would, be, I would be willing to, to, to bet that she would concede that abortion is okay before viability. Right? Just based on her statement. And not because she's wicked or evil, she just doesn't understand that. So I, I, and I could be mistaken, uh, but there are others that also think that way. But we don't kill people that are dependent. Even if it's because they're dependent right on the body. You know? Right on the mother's body. But that's the way it's supposed to be. Isn't that, isn't that where God says, uh, in Romans 1, He says, give them over to a, to a, 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 a reprobate mind? Yeah. I was thinking of that verse on the way in this yeah, morning. And, and also before Christ comes, uh, because they did not receive the love of the truth, mm. God will send them a strong delusion. I know. Because literally what the world is doing is, is they're living in contradiction. Of course. They have certain standards, yes. rules, even morals. Yes. That, like you said, the American with Disabilities Act. Yep. You don't have to be this kind of person mm-hmm. who rises to the top to get the cream yep. the crop. Yep. You can be disenfranchised and, and dil- debilitated, and we'll lift you up yep. so that you can we can we can uh, glorify. You could say uh, you along with ourselves with your personhood yep. and the quality of that. And yet, they don't do it for the unborn. Yeah, they don't, brother. Unfortunately, the world is consisting now more and more of those fringe, large denominations that at one time stood for truth and for scriptures. Mm. But you have like United Congregationalists. You have a yeah, those people are a mess. Even some branch of Presbyterians. Yep. Uh, and even uh, North American Baptists and so on. They're promoting these kinds of agendas as well. I know. And they're just merging with the world's mentality rather than the church being the pillar and ground of the truth which we should be that's right of course if they're not regenerated people they just get a name to live in they're spiritually dead anyway but that's true and, and, but they still have the still, we still have the ability to communicate truth to them they can still receive truth they may not it's, it's, it's not an intellectual problem it's a moral problem this whole issue of abortion this is not an intellectual problem this is for most people a moral problem Okay. Uh, although there are people again, again I think our sister here, I, I think I could convince her because I think it's plain to see uh, that viability is a very arbitrary thing that the Supreme Court came up with as a definition of personhood. That the 24 weeks is the minimal time, uh, scientifically that was true, at which an unborn human being can survive outside the woman, outside of its natural environment. And so we're going to continue. We're going to call that. The moment of when protection is worthy. Not, not full protection. I mean, if it still means, you know, it's going to cause the, mo- the, the mother to have additional zits, it's still okay to kill it. Okay? So a part of carrying a child is a, a hormonal reaction to having that child, which causes zits, which may affect her ability uh, in modeling, well, then it's okay to kill it. Environment is the next one. That's the letter E in SLED. Do humans forfeit their worth? Oh, one last thing on viability. So there's some countries, viability is considered birth. That's when a child is considered viable. So, I think it was Scott Klusendorf that said, so a woman gets on a plane in America, where and she's 24 weeks pregnant, okay, and she flies to another country. Does that... So if, if viability is the determining factor from humanhood, does that unborn go from human to non-human? Simply because it goes from a place where viability is 24 weeks to a full birth in another country. 
does its status as a human change by changing its geography in that way? Because you define viability differently. This, way, you know, this, this country sat by and allowed the Supreme Court, without making corrective laws come after it, to do one of the stupidest things that could ever be done. Any situation where you're um, trying to come up with a definition for personhood that's even remotely arbitrary mm -hmm. is extremely dangerous. Of course it is. You're, you're talking about a, a human life, so yeah. you don't just get to say, I think it's roughly around this point that we can treat it like a person. Mm -hmm. And with such a big distinction between countries, you begin to see how arbitrary the decision of when this is a person or not is. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, things are so convoluted now. The things that people say. I mean, there was a, a very left-leaning commentator on MSNBC that came out and said that, you know what, these, these people that support Trump, they have to be destroyed, but they have to be destroyed with love. And I'm like, what are you doing that constitutes love? What could you possibly do in the constitutes love that you think somehow is going to destroy the evil that you see in someone else? What are you... I mean, we're a mess, man. It's clear that God is little by slow just letting the world fall apart. And this is why we're never going to have a theonomic culture where people are going to get back to the Ten Commandments. It's never going to happen. We're going to get worse and worse and worse and worse as the love of many waxes cold. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, Justin said maybe think it, it, the incarnation of Christ is you could say the watershed of understanding personhood in relationship to that at any moment if you say he is not uh, uh, a human person yeah. at any time yeah. then he's neither God nor man yeah yeah absolutely at, that in, at those beginning stages of life yep. when he was born of the spirit absolutely yep that's a good point I mean, the incarnation of Jesus, or for anyone, you know, talk to a person who, who holds their, their certain person, I'd say an atheist, who do they hold near and dear in their thought? You know what I mean? Was there a time when your, when your God, so to speak, was ever not a human? You know, your hero? Could or should we have killed that person then? Environment. Do humans forfeit their worth when they change the locations? Baby Rachel was born prematurely at 24 weeks in the middle of her mother's second trimester, weighing 11 pounds, 9 ounces, 11 pounds, that can't be right. Just, uh, no, it must be one pound. One pound, nine ounces. I, I double typed to one. Yeah, 24 weeks, right? Get this thing out of me! Uh, one pound, nine ounces, but soon dropped to one pound. And heroic measures were taken to save her life because she was a vulnerable and valuable human being. If a doctor had killed Rachel while she quietly slept at her mother's breast, we would have recoiled in horror at this homicide. However, if this same little girl, the very same Rachel, was inches away from the outside world, resting in her mother's womb, she could be legally killed by abortion. Why is that okay? I'll tell you why our culture says, because the mother said, because the woman said so. We've given women a power that they cannot handle. Why? Because no one can handle being God. That's why God gave us very measurable very easy to understand what's a human being and what's it not. We have empowered women, over-empowered women, to such an extent that we have made them the arbiters of what's a human being and what is okay to kill it. If I'm wrong, tell me that. I want to have this argument with Joy Behar. I want to be on The View. 
It is. It's, you're right. It's not even an intellectual all, all exercise. All of my day, I, the first thing I said to myself when I retire, he says, I'm going to shoot myself if I watch too much daytime TV. All, all that show is... Uh, that, no, I could, I, could, I, could, I could define that show for you. My cup of estrogen overfloweth. That's what that show is. All right? It's ridiculously gross. It's gross. It's anti-human, the way that they talk about it. Yeah. So here's the question. If we are valuable human persons, do we cease being valuable because we move locations by crossing the street? Am I more valuable as a human? So right now I live at the corner. I live on Shore Road at the corner of Shore and Podunk. All right. Even the word Podunk, right? Podunk is what? Kind of like a low-value sort of, you know. So I live. Well, what if I was to live on, you know, Hollywood Boulevard or whatever, right? Do I now have more valuable, uh, more value as a human because I live in a better location? Much of our culture says yes. But they know better. They know better. Um, if, does our value change if I, does my value change if I go from the living room to the kitchen? What about if I just roll over in bed a few inches? Because that's a change in location. Our value as humans is not defined by, neither can it change by location. Objectively speaking. Again, subjectively speaking, it happens all the time. We basically assign more value to people because of where they live or how much they have. That's materialism, by the way. You don't have to have a million dollars to be a materialist. You could be dirt poor and think that somebody that's rich and famous is more valuable. If you're that person, you are a materialist as much as the rich, he who dies with the most toys wins advocate. You are every bit as much a materialistic as they are. At the very least, all mid to late term abortions, Rachel's birth age, are immoral because the liberty to kill the child is based merely on the child's location. It's... it's isn't it so obvious? So, clearly one's environment can't be the deciding factor. Changing locations is morally trivial. Yes. His, uh, he, would, he would disagree with us on our soteriology big time but uh, some, some, some people are so intelligent and well thought you almost just you just got to be careful but I would, I would debate him on that um, okay so environment clearly isn't the deciding factor degree of dependency is the letter D okay is human value determined by a degree of dependency on others again this goes to the viability argument a little as well the unborn's dependency on his mother for biological sustenance is irrelevant to the baby's value. No baby is viable if degree of dependency matters. In fact, this is even speaks more to the whole viability issue than the other thing. Right? Babies of all ages depend on their mothers for feeding, whether it's via the blood and the umbilical cord or the breast or the bottle. So in this sense, no child is viable even years after he or she is born. 
Human beings may be dependent on others for their survival, but they aren't dependent on others for their value. Our value. We're valuable just because we're human. Period. More valuable than any other species on earth. hurting someone who's highly dependent is actually more grievous mm-hmm. than, you know, hurting someone. Yeah, sure, exactly. You, you, so you read about something, right? You read about an elderly woman raped in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You just want to take the person that did that mm-hmm. and you want to just rip their spine out and wear it as a necklace, mm-hmm. right? You just want to, oh, I just want to, it's just horrible, isn't it? It's certainly new imagery that I never had. Right? <laughs> but... And all rape is terrible, right? But, but, but you, your point is very good. When people are physically challenged and we think that people assault them in their state of physical dependency, we're, we're aghast at that. Why are we not equally aghast at abortion? Well, of course, we are, right? We are. Human beings, again, <clears throat> all physically dependent people are at risk if degree of dependency determines their value. If dependence on, on an external source makes one non-human, then all those dependent on kidney machines, pacemakers, and insulin would have to be declared non-persons by the same standard. Now, they may argue, no, that's not true. Well, you've got to prove that that's not true because I just showed you why it is. Now, where am I wrong in that? So, if dependency determines worth, then no moral principle protects the weak and vulnerable from the strong and the powerful. Next week we'll pick up on sort of applying that slight test a little bit. It'll be our last week in it. Then we go into Romans, right? <clears throat> so, next week will be the last week. Uh, and we'll, we'll handle some additional objections and we'll wrap it all up. So, uh, Justin, pray for us, please. Dear Heavenly Father, I'd like to thank you. I mean, I, did, I can't, I can't stand.